0: Welcome to episode number 12 of Yule Podcast, Your Eye Out. I'm Joe.
1: I'm Jess. And today we have a special guest. Do you want to introduce yourself?
2: I'm Jen. This is Jen.
1: Jen is a research assistant, we can probably say. She is going to be a resident resident. She's a ringer know-it-all. I'm your resident know-it-all and you're my ringer know-it-all. So you've taken a little bit of pressure off me because normally on this podcast, that's my role.
2: I was going to be the heckler. Oh,
0: (laughs) you can fill both those roles.
1: That's maybe what more podcasters need to make sure that they stay sharp is somebody being like, that's terrible (laughs) in the background. Do better. Be more interesting.
0: That's Twitter.
2: What was the premise of the podcast
1: again? We didn't even say. 25 Christmas films in 25 days.
0: It's an advent calendar film review podcast.
1: It's a Christmas movie marathon.
0: It was a terrible idea.
1: (laughs) It's a Christmas movie marathon for us. Maybe you're listening along and not watching along, and you're just allowing the memories to come back to you via us.
0: You could be doing that. Yeah. We, We paint a word picture with our words, and you can imagine it in your head. And it's maybe even really much better than actually watching the films.
1: Well, on my very first podcast, I had said that I could not imagine the type of person who does not enjoy holiday movies, but would be listening to this podcast.
0: That's
2: me. And
1: then you messaged me to say that's me, (laughs) that you are that type of person. So I guess I both fear and envy you.
2: I'm not a Christmas guy.
1: Yeah. um, Is that like a sensitive... Topic slash question is it are you just gonna leave it at that? I'm not a Christmas person or is that do you wanna do you wanna get into why?
0: Did your dad die in the chimney?
1: <laughs> are you Phoebe Cates from Gremlins?
2: Are we gonna mention that we're siblings?
0: Well then my dad died in the chimney.
2: Yeah. <laughs> do you wanna talk about our dad? Dying, tragically, and that Christmas accident, and why I hate Christmas so much, yet you love it. I mean, that's pretty dark.
0: I think it says a lot about our relationship with our dad.
1: Says uh, something about how siblings sometimes process grief differently. I think since you're both technically anonymous, it'd be funny to be like, yeah, you're it's. In, I
2: think it's pretty it's relevant fine. to the topic of Christmas, because a lot of this is about nostalgia and... Later on, we're going to do Elf, and speaking of Zooey Deschanel,
1: sometimes I see her without bangs, and she is unrecognizable.
2: Uh, She's blonde in that movie, I think. She's she's, pretty unrecognizable in that movie because she's
1: blonde, too. So, I mean, sometimes, honestly, sometimes like a little quick fix.
0: Was she the narwhal? In Elf? (laughs) No. Oh.
1: That's the preferred North Pole mode of transportation, the narwhal, right? That's how Buddy gets to. We're not talking about Elf today. We're talking about Jingle All the Way. What movie are we doing today? today we're doing Jingle All the Way. Jingle it's our 12th All
0: episode. the Way. Jingle All the Way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, had had everyone seen this movie before? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Many a time. You as guys a child. watched
1: it when you were kids, but yep. I had only actually watched it as an adult. I think Joe showed it to me
2: as an adult. We definitely had. This on VHS.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. Did we have it on DVD later? No. No?
2: Only on VHS. But our household, you played...
0: You played the hell out of this. On VCRs VHS. Long,
2: long into the 2000s, mid I to late 2000s. I don't know
1: what year this came out, and I actually kind of want to guess. Guess. Do you think I'm going to over-guess or I'm going to under-guess? I think you're going to nail it. This has a real, uh, maybe, 1999 vibe. That's too far. I'm too far. Okay.
2: So, I'll set the scene. This came out, and this was a big flop. This didn't do well. This didn't do well. It was a financial and critical failure. Uh, it came out the same year as Space Jam and 101 Dalmatians. It came out in between those two movies.
1: 101 Dalmatians is a Christmas movie. I don't believe Space Jam is.
2: Space Jam is an all-year-round all year, all year round movie. Uh, it was 1996. Wow, oh, I really overshot it. To well, not really, really but it... put it into context, the The craze that year for toys, as is relevant, was the Tickle Me Elmo. Mm-hmm. So the Tickle Me Elmo was the craze that year? 1996. This wasn't, this it wasn't, wasn't based on... wasn't inspired by no. the Tickle Me Elmo? Coincidentally, Tickle Me Elmo and Jingle All the Way came out, but it was inspired by... Previous. Like, like, well,
1: in the Christmas parade later on, we see Cabbage Patch Kids, which I don't think one of them.
2: Cabbage Patch Kids is one of the big Christmas sellout toys that caused extreme, like, rioting and whatnot tickle me elmo was this year
0: toy blood sports power
2: rangers and buzz lightyear was supposed to be one of the inspirations for the script yeah is funny he's
0: a rocket man he's buzz Buzz lightyear i Mm -hmm. and i believe yeah there was like
1: a licensed buzz lightyear toy that was released like the christmas of toy like that toy story came out and i think it was like a pretty hard to get toy
2: and uh just another little fun introductory fact about this movie that it was this, filmed about a page of the script a day so it was really fast and hectic much like your podcast what a- it was very they had a really fast filming schedule it was bam 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 and a lot of improv you the can movie, tell. the movie takes the- <laughs> it comes comes through i mean in the movie not in your podcast that seems really tight <laughs>
1: I love that they shot, like, it's, or it's like shot for shot for a day because it takes place in a day, right? So I like the idea that they were just basically, like, cut it, print it, next scene. It maybe only took them two hours to shoot it. (laughs) They did it real tight, like this podcast.
2: They didn't, they did it all in one take.
1: (laughs) It seemed like a very long day for our, our, our main, our main dad, Howie, there.
2: It's Christmas Eve, and he didn't do the Christmas shopping. It's funny also that you mentioned that the
1: Power Rangers were one of those hot ticket toys, because the very beginning intro is excessively Power Rangers, right? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, let's talk about the beginning intro scene. Before we even get into the stars, it opens with this parody of like a kids' TV show that's sort of a Power Rangers kind of... It's got... Turbo Man, the action figure who looks like sort of a, an Iron Man esque sort of the the Flash, or he's got he's got like a rocket. Powered... He's a cross between
1: a uh, Power Ranger and Iron Man. Yeah, like pretty much dead down the middle, and then I want to call him Booger, <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> oh, Booster, Booster.
0: That's Both so funny. His name's pretty close. Yeah,
2: yeah, the big pink furry a uh, monster in the gold underwear and the He's gold totally constructed like a power rangers villain baddie, yeah. yeah right
0: and what's uh, kind of ironic is that the five little minion villains are all color-coded like power rangers they look mm-hmm. like little villainous power rangers and those are the the like the goon squad that <gasps> turbo man has to fight
1: i didn't notice that the intro is so a hundred percent Power Rangers. Yeah, that I assume it was not unlike parents who took their kids to go see Gremlins in the theater, who are like, "This is a Christmas movie, right?"
0: It is a Christmas movie, but you're right. It it's
1: <laughs> super Christmasy intro.
0: <laughs> this does not feature like uh, a mysterious figure walking around in a winter wonderland while children peer into shops. This starts with like unbridled greed for toys in this one child who's just like staring at the screen
2: it's one of those shows that's made just to sell the toy I want to talk a little bit just really quickly about the actors who are in the little clip at the beginning with the action the turbo man show it's the president and his wife and their son turbo man is saving their president's son from dementor Mm-hmm. the villain who's yes. got like the brain in the jar harvey corman is the president he's like a really classic he's from the donna reed mm-hmm. show you might know him from carol burnett um but he's also the voice of like the great gazoo from the flintstones and he voices the Bird in the flintstones movie oh. later on um yeah so he's like related he's a
0: he kind of looks like the great gazoo Right, he's a green guy, got a big head and cape. No,
2: that's the it's the president who's Harvey Harvey Corbin is the president, but okay, Dementor is played by Richard Mall. You wouldn't really know who he was except that. Do you know in? But I'm a cheerleader. Yes. Of <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Of when course. in, but I'm a cheerleader. When the kids run away from the gay conversion camp, and yeah. there's a friendly gay couple. There's yes. a tall guy, and then he, the, the the two bears. The yes. tall guy is Richard Mall. That's Dementor. He's the oh, that's great. Oh, Just a little. Him. I love him. I was like, who is that? Um. And then here's another little one more one little fun one. The president's <laughs> wife, the first lady, is Lorraine Newman. Everyone else would know her from SNL as one of the original Coneheads skits. She's like one of the the og snl people um but i know her as donut rooter from the we're all devo videos that were like the the devo content it's she's donut rooter rod rooter's daughter he has like an incestuous relationship with her i remember this he's the agent for devo in their their fictional fantasy version of like their how would you describe that? It's very Devo. You can cut this out. It's very Devo. <laughs> I just uh, wanted you to know that. Yeah, um, And she also does some voice acting in The Bravest Warriors. She has oh. three credits in it, just like a narrator and then two other random names.
1: That is such a wild bit of intersections that you knew would interest me in such a short clip. That is not even canonical, really, to our movie yet at all. (laughs) It's not related. These are just people that are the movie within the movie. And you also mentioned the Flintstones movie, and the Flintstones movie... Was made by... Chris
2: Columbus. And uh, also directed by Brian Levant.
0: Who directed, who directed this, this, film. this movie? <laughs>
2: Brian Levant is the director of this movie. Do you want to talk about the director about, of this movie? Yeah, because uh... he's got he's got some.
0: Does he have some interesting credits to his name?
2: Brian Levant is known as like a schlocky family film director, right? Yeah. So you'd know like Beethoven, yeah. Nice. You would know the modern 1994 Leave It to Beaver.
1: Right, you might not know
2: that. You'd know. Some- I remember
1: that remake. You, there was this period of time. There was a period of time where we were remaking like
0: all old cartoons the because old... there was a remake
1: of the Little Rascals. I think in it around the and, same
0: time. And Dennis the Menace which, and Dennis the Men- and Yeah Richie Rich and Casper and yeah. all these kind of like revival of children's Yeah P- people think of now as a revival time, but the 90s were pretty bad for it too.
2: Yeah. Um. So Brian Levant, this is his only Christmas movie until he did. The 2012 direct to TV, A Christmas Story too. Mm-hmm. I thought you might want to know that. Mm-hmm. That might be relevant to your interests yeah. here. Oh, that's uh, and that wonderful. What, what's he up to now? He's got. He's writing, directing, and producing the next Police Academy. <laughs> the
0: next police so is this number six you heard that right i'm
2: losing my mind (laughs) so that's who Brian my mind and he started out writing on like the jeffersons and mork and mindy and happy days actually like he he did like he's he's a 70s 80s classic sitcom writer originally and then he moved into these the and he's not he's not a pretentious guy that's one thing you gotta give brian levant
1: like the the thing that you mostly want to get about him is that, like, critics hate his movies. Like, people yeah. who like are film people and reviewers hate his movies, but they are sometimes huge blockbusters and considered, like, beloved, usually, by a Beethoven? certain class of
0: people. I'm that class of person.
2: Yeah. Well, for us, our shared childhood, yeah. Beethoven, The Flintstones, yep. and Jingle yeah. All the Way, Brian Levant was very influential in our household, Absolutely. apparently.
1: Or stylistically, they're like fun romps, and that's what he's doing. And I think sometimes people don't, maybe don't understand that, or maybe they're not, like, they're not really hitting the marks in a way a a reviewer expects them to. But it's like, this movie was enjoyable. Maybe not for the reasons that uh, Brian uh, Levent meant for me to enjoy them, but I did.
0: I think every choice was deliberate, and it was meant exactly for me. Who doesn't like a fun romp? If you don't like this movie and you don't like fun romps, well, fuck you, man.
2: Can I read you something that Brian Levant said about this movie in a Q and I watched? Yes, absolutely. Um, this is
1: what I was talking about about you being like my research ringer. Where it's-
0: before you start, can I just ask you a question? What does Q and A stand for?
2: Question and answer. Okay.
0: I'm just clarifying for our audience, oh I knew
2: uh he said of, of of the movie jingle all the way in response, I think this was in response to a question about it as a Christmas film. um it was a unique animal, it goes against i don't know, I've never seen another Christmas movie like it it's not it's much closer in spirit to die hard than it is to a miracle on thirty fourth street, which are the two of two of his favorite Christmas movies. It was very different, and maybe that's why it failed. Uh, And he sent that they they tried to like they spent a lot of time trying to develop a really like unique uniform for Turbo Man to wear, but it just ended up looking exactly like Iron Man. Yeah, that's
0: the closest superhero analogy for sure. Is Mm -hmm. he's a mechanical man with machines? I guess Batman too, but Um, he has has a rocket pack.
2: And Turbo Man Mm. uh, is also kind of a he's a. The the, the Turbo Man who plays Turbo Man in Turbo Man, the show. Right. Yeah.
0: Arnold Schwarzenegger. No. Oh.
2: (laughs) No, No. our our
1: actor who plays Turbo Man in the show within the show.
2: The show within the show. That's right. Yeah. The show within the movie.
0: Where Turbo Man tries to prove that the King of Denmark murdered his brother.
2: The classic that we all studied in school. Turbo Man in the show Within a Show at the beginning, Cliff was played by Daniel Riordan. He does a bunch of video game voices, but he's also in an episode of Enterprise, so Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, he's in one episode of DS9 as a Bajoran security deputy, and in TNG, he plays uh, the character Rondon in Coming of Age, which is the episode when Wesley is being tested by like his crewmates as he's like It's his, it's his, um...
0: He's getting hazed?
2: Yeah, and he's a Zaldan crewman. He's got, I think, web fingers, and he bumps into Wesley in the hallway, and then he, like, gets really insulting with Wesley, and Wesley's like, oh, I know that your species is, like, into insulting people. So he insults him back, and that's conflict resolution, and then they're like, it's a test. Anyway, he's got quite the jaw.
0: Welcome to the backdoor pilot for our Star Trek podcast, where we discuss obscure b- actors who played multiple roles in many of the different Star Trek franchises. Well, it's- Star
2: Trek's a huge franchise, so they're always going to have little bit parts of like actors are always. Am I going to tell there's you a every Star time? Trek, there's a Star Trek actor in every single one of these Absolutely. movies, pretty much. I'm going to tell uh, you
1: maybe all even of their in, credits. I feel like you, maybe even in Miracle in 34th Street, you might be able to find somebody who was in the OG series. Oh, you? I feel. In our last episode, Batman Returns, I mentioned that Penguin's dad was played by Paul Rubens, but I didn't talk about Penguin's mom at all. But I did send you a message saying that she was on DS9 as a Bajoran that I didn't exactly remember, but she's the one who made Kira's earring. So I was like, well, that seems like an important Bajoran. (laughs) It's like, we should maybe get a litmus test of our listener fan base. Are you Trekkies? Do you care? (laughs) More more Trek, turn up Trek, Trek references, turn down Trek references.
2: Let us know. (laughs) I don't want to (laughs) know. Yeah. I don't care. I'm your number one listener. (laughs) (laughs) I want to hear... I want to hear... Number one research
1: assistant, number one fan, (laughs) never miss a Star Trek reference, please.
2: I'm never not going to tell you that an actor (laughs) has been in Star Trek, but you don't. You don't have to... You don't have to do... You can do whatever you want with that. (laughs)
1: I like that idea. I like that there's going to be so, so many Star Trek references and it's like we have to, or so many checks and nods to it that we have to choose which ones to edit out.
2: Do you want to give like a summary of the, what's the synopsis of the movie? What?
0: Well, yeah, I want to describe Tom, Ar- Tom Arnold's character, <laughs> oh. also known as Whoa. Arnold Schwarzenegger's that character. That would have been a
2: great alternative casting choice. I think he choice. would
0: work really well in this role, to be honest. But it's Arnold Schwarzenegger we're stuck with. And I wrote down, he's basically Scott Calvin, like Tim Allen's character from the Santa Claus about three years before his divorce, Mm. on the cusp of losing his family. Apparently, he is a mattress salesman, which is not the career I imagined for Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he... Doesn't do the best job at selling it, I would say.
1: Jen mentioned that even though she was like Hawkeye watching this movie, she still had to look up what he did afterwards because it is just like, the the only reason I knew that he was a mattress salesman is because there's a brief scene where he's working and you can see he's working on some like point of sale system and it like mentions mattresses or springs or something. (laughs) So it's like, unless you're really tuned in, you're going to miss that fact. Good thing because it's completely irrelevant.
0: What's his name? Howard Howard.
2: Langston. 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 Howard Langston.
0: Do you think that's short for Langston Meyer or something like (laughs) this guy? What's this? What's up with Arnold Schwarzenegger playing roles where no one questions the fact that he has a thick Austrian accent?
2: Would you like to hear who else was considered for the role? Because it would have been quite a different movie.
0: Tom Arnold.
2: Well, I wish. I mean, I've I considered Tom Arnold for the role, but
0: oh, I, you're you're saying like who the uh, casting director considered? Who, who for else? The role. Who else
2: was actually? Stop, stop me if this is Nut
1: Bar casting, but I could actually see Tom Arnold in either the Arnold Schwarzenegger or the Phil Hartman role.
0: Yeah, or
2: the Sinbad, <laughs> or the yeah, Actually, Just actually, the, actually you know what? I
1: scratch that answer. You're right. He would be best suited for the Sinbad role. Let be a
2: villain. Yeah.
0: Little known fact, but this film actually originated as a one man show starring Tom Arnold.
2: <laughs> where he plays all the parts, yeah. Even the kid, yeah. <laughs> Howard could have been played by... Apparently, I read this, I don't have any, I don't have a source for this, but apparently he also considered were... Uh, Steve Martin was one of them? Wouldn't that have been different? Okay.
1: Like, yeah. that's pre... <sighs> What's that remake that he did? Ten, ten, ten ki- ten's Enough or Ten Angry Kids? or. <laughs>
2: What's I had too many kids. Eight? Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, eight is uh-huh. enough. I don't. I, I believe it's Kate called was...
0: Ten Angry Brides for Ten Angry Men."
2: Yeah. <laughs> Ten oh. angry kids for two angry parents. I think Steve Martin would have made the character obviously a lot more likable. Just <laughs> j- uh, clearly because.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Then he would, be, he would be almost like reprising his like planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, Shmozzle. Sh- 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 sh-
2: right. Well, that's the same character. sort of like reluctant buddy comedy scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kurt Russell what okay well do you know kurt russell now plays is santa now is like has become santa in real life yeah
0: what do you mean did he kill santa and now he is that's santa? how he
2: did it you know the well you know the you know how you do it
0: i do the know clause. how to do it the...
2: he slaughtered tim allen and took his place yeah Yep. Yeah. uh and the other uh, tim allen was also apparently considered for the lead role of jingle all the way when yep. did uh When did uh the Santa Claus come out? Ninety
0: four and ninety three, I believe.
2: Yeah, it's too similar. They're identical opening scenes, except that he's you know you uh, stuck in traffic. Tim Allen's lying about being stuck in traffic. Yeah, Arnold is actually stuck in traffic.
0: After the opening scene where Arnold is really concerned with his work, he no longer expresses any kind of like negative or like emotions about work or anything else he's not a greedy person like Tim Allen's character or or jaded or anything like that he just works too hard
2: that's just my one flaw I just work too hard
0: and love too much that's me
2: yeah well like you said he's like a couple years before the point that Tim Allen's character Scott Calvin that's right I listened to your podcast (laughs) and have seen the Santa Claus Santa Claus 2 and 3 he he's he's a couple years before the point of that pathetic, useless, you know, father trope where he's like a workaholic bumbling dad. He's just not divorced yet. He's yeah. he's only missed a few karate classes and parades so far. the and- kid the kid doesn't hate him that much. He doesn't need to fully become Santa. He just needs to become a superhuman action figure to, but, to I, win, win his approval back. yeah i wrote down uh, he's not a
1: shitty dad he just has a yellow belt and dadding <laughs>
0: yellow that's a very appropriate um, he just
1: maybe just isn't g- like going to enough <laughs> karate practices
2: you know to he only
0: his... saw the yellow belt uh ceremony exactly did mm. those
2: karate scenes make you feel nostalgic joe
0: yeah i was thinking about that because i participated in you know karate and i was remembering how i'd like every Thursday night, I get driven to some school gym, but it wasn't the school I went to, it was a different school and that's so scary and weird and it's like a different world. And you're in your karate suit, you're, you're, um, they call it a gi, and you all get, you stand in lines and you punch the air for an hour (laughs) and that's karate. And if you do it good enough, you get a different color belt each few weeks and if you continue to pay the money, of course. And this is like mid 90s. This is like post karate kid craze where dojos and Mick dojos, they call them. Yeah. If you were into karate and really serious about it and you were contemptuous of the other more mainstream or more uh, profit oriented dojos, those are called Mick dojos, despite the fact that all of these things are stupid. <laughs>
1: In 80% of all karate scene, karate class scenes that I've seen in movies, yeah. the kids are breaking boards in class. Yeah, uh, How often were you breaking boards in class, like if I just showed up on a random day?
0: Never. Okay. But really, I, I, have a,
2: I have a false memory of watching you break a board I karate. never broke a board, that's a fake that is memory
0: my I one have. regret in life.
1: <laughs> I think maybe you saw it in a movie, because like I said, 80% I it was of the time time we in these movies, the we're, we're opening on a karate class and the kids are breaking boards.
0: I think you were thinking of Jamie.
2: Yeah, Jamie, little, little, little Anakin Skywalker. Uh, That's who this is. That yes, actor. That's who he is.
0: That's Darth Vader. That's what happens when you don't get your kid the right toy. He becomes Darth Vader.
1: He was worried about messing his kid up by Mm -hmm. not getting the toy, and I guess we know what happens to that kid.
0: I want to go back to the karate scene because I thought it was so (laughs) cool how they break crates open to get their. Belts? did you see that no i didn't they That's great it wasn't boards they broke they had boxes like wooden crates and you just put it in front of the kid and the kid's like i and like bust it open that is amazing you have to
1: smash it open
2: to get your next belt that's, like yeah, it's that's a, great
0: like it's a power-up from a video game yeah, i love that
2: that's how i'm gonna wrap your christmas present please
0: do year. put it in a nail it shut in a crate and i'll get it i'll get it loose it's time for me to break a board, I think. That's my goal for this year. For Before the end of the year, I'm going to break a board. God willing. On this podcast. And it definitely won't be just a sound effect that I edit in. When
1: Howie's uh, racing home... On the shoulder, and he's just like, "This is a great idea." It's like I'll never get stopped, and then he immediately gets stopped by a cop. Yeah. Um, I was very shocked that they didn't make him do the nose touch sobriety test.
0: Do you mean the psychological test that Santa does in (laughs) 34th Street? I guess they're not
1: trying to prove that he's Santa or crazy, so there was no point in him touching his nose.
2: (laughs) Did you (laughs) Did you recognize the cop who pulls him over and harasses him throughout the rest of the movie? Who's that actor? Yeah, I know. So that—that's—I didn't know who it was. I had to look it up. So Officer Hummel's played by Robert Conrad, uh, best known for playing a character named James West in an old '60s Western sci-fi series called *The Wild Wild West*, about two Secret Service agents who protect America and the president with steampunk technology. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, I believe there's a oh, f- <laughs> a
0: folk song about it called "Wild Wild West" mm-hmm. by Will Smith.
2: Oh yes, tradition
1: the traditional folk song "Wild Wild West." Yeah. Uh, fun fact: "Wild Wild West" not directed
2: by Brian Brian Levant. No, I don't know who "Wild Wild West" is directed by. We'll have to. It we'll, seems we'll like to... it should be. Like, it seems tonally like a movie that should be. Yeah. I want to say it's a John Peters movie. Uh, so the the character of the cop was also originally, in the original script, supposed to be a woman that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is sort of f- physically harming throughout the movie. So I thought that was funny. But uh, Brian Levant uh, I was a fan of Robert Conrad and thought that he was such a tough guy in all the crime dramas and westerns that he was in in the 60s and 70s that he was like a a good guy to stand up to to arnold schwarzenegger as a tough guy but he doesn't i honestly i no offense to officer hummel but no he's a bit of a wiener
0: yeah he got blew up (laughs) he should have died there and when he blow when he's blown up with that bomb
2: you're jumping ahead though uh what do you think of the child actor that that, who plays little jamie langston that, that little jake lloyd It bothered me that I couldn't
1: remember who he was, but I knew just from looking at him that I also probably wouldn't care who he was once I looked him up, and it's true, I don't. Now that I understand that it's Anakin Skywalker, I'm like, who cares?
0: He was serviceable, but he was no Kevin McAllister. Like, he he was no, he wasn't, like, an amazingly emotive or a a child actor. He was just there.
1: This kid sucks, let's just say it. I thought this kid sucked. (laughs) or whatever for the amount of time that this kid's like actually on screen and needs to like do anything or it's like I don't know I don't believe that this is Arnold's kid either for some reason
0: because he's not built like a ox
1: (laughs) it doesn't look like his mother or his father
0: or his maid
1: (laughs) that's it that's uh... (laughs) a ooh. Do you think that it's uh, in poor taste that Chris Columbus's production company is called 1492?
0: I asked earlier if Chris Columbus was interested in discovering things. And I think he does have kind of a fascination with his namesake. Obviously, if he called his production company 1492, he probably digs sailing the ocean blue.
2: I can't stop calling him Christopher Columbus.
0: I can't stop calling him genocidal mania. (laughs) I wanted to ask... Either of you or none of you, was there a toy that you craved that you wished your parents would fight people for?
2: I didn't have a particular toy, but I was into beanie babies for a mm. little while, but like right on the tail end and of that i was I was into them right in the tail end of that craze, so. I was probably what 8 years old or 9 years old just liked plush toys mm-hmm. didn't understand the co- the collection sort of I mean I like collecting thing I also collected rocks and leaves probably pressed into books like it was like that not the value thing but
0: as I understand it Beanie Babies were the bitcoin of the 90s
2: Our mother was really shocked and disappointed that the collection that she had invested so much in was not going to be worth what her nine-year-old daughter had told her in the 90s. She brings it up to this day. She's pissed that you didn't leave them in the boxes with the tags on? No, I did leave them in the boxes with the tags on, but Beanie Babies aren't worth anything now. So she was
1: just taking investment advice from a nine-year-old who wanted plush toys?
2: You got it. Yeah.
0: I had typical kind of like interest that a boy might have Lego and Ninja Turtles and action figures and certainly video games. But I never really started to covet things that would be hard to get until I became an adult and I could buy things for myself. That's when I started to like really want things that were about to come out. And I can remember figuring out how to pre-order things like Arnold Schwarzenegger did, didn't do and the thing that I pre-ordered that I'm most proud of is the Nintendo Wii because I remember getting it when it came out mm-hmm. and getting to the store and saying I pre-ordered it. And the guy went in the back and got it and next to me was his dad who didn't and he was basically Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> but much less buff.
2: He was having his own jingle on the way moment.
0: His Austrian accent wasn't as thick. <laughs> But yeah, he was he was about to disappoint his child. <laughs> and I got so it. you were in That Kid's Christmas yeah. by... Yeah. By being a man-child.
2: It by is being prepared. It is reminiscent of watching a lot of idiots right now try to track down a PS5. Having a hard time, a lot of them. Yeah.
1: You know somebody who has a PS5. Did he have to pre-order it?
2: No, he... he so what he did was he critiqued uh, all of his friends for months about... Uh, you know, you know that they, what are they scalping? I guess they're, they're, they're buy they buy them all up and then they sell them at a boosted price. And he's like, don't buy them from those people. Cause it encourages that industry. And he was very critical of his friends for doing that, but he couldn't get one legitimately. So anyway, now he has a PS5. <laughs> <laughs> he-
1: I wanted to quickly say the two things that I wanted, uh, really, really badly there was a Casio My Magic Diary that could send messages like mm. texts, right? Like it didn't yeah. have to be connected. So it was like very early texting. Like if your friend had a Casio My Magic, like secret sender, or whatever, you could like send each other messages in class. And now, literally anybody can do. <laughs> like it's like so wild.
2: In spite of the fact that that I do have a cell phone, as 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 one does, that still sounds like an exciting toy.
1: Yeah, like I kind of still want one. (laughs) And I have looked up Casio My Magic Diaries on eBay. (laughs) Um, I also wanted a Ricochet RC car. That was the RC car that had the big fat tires. And when it banged into the wall and flipped upside down, it would still keep going.
2: I don't remember that one.
1: Yeah,
0: no Ricochet. We got to look up the old
2: commercial for that
1: one later. Just imagine like a pretty scaled down RC car with just like four fat tires. So if it just completely got flipped over to its underside or just, you could just keep going. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not describing it well.
0: It could be upside down or right side up. It was always able to go. Let's talk about Phil Hartman.
2: As much as Phil Hartman's character, that's Ted Maltin. uh, Phil Hartman's character is obviously really disgusting but he's so congenially sleazy like phil hartman is just irresistible like i would instantly instantly cheat on arnold schwarzenegger with phil hartman if he was my disgusting (laughs) sleazy single dad neighbor without without a thought
1: he's like a sleazeball but i mean the the wives are into it he's got an angle that works yeah yeah like
0: easily my favorite bit is when he's talking about his like post care of the reindeer that he has mm bought because he's releasing him into the wild so that means that he owns this reindeer for the time being Yeah, this is
1: not a rental reindeer yeah. this is a this yeah. is a full out full price he's like we're purchase. gonna go
0: to northern minnesota and let him out uh, marks the other deer
2: arnold asks him what he's gonna do with it he's mm-hmm. i've got the i've got this quote here it says i've been watching a family of deer down by lake minnetonka i thought i'd take him down there and set him free if nature's kind they'll take him in like he's one of their own
1: I don't know. Are you sure he says if nature's kind? I think he authoritatively says nature is kind. They will take him. Oh, in his room. Like, I think so he's not sure that this herd will just I accept <laughs> this animal that's not indigenous to this area, that
2: is a, a different species. Um, uh, be- before we talk more about Phil Hartman, I just want to say: Are you ranking animatronic reindeers for every Christmas film that features them? Because if you aren't, you should be.
0: We've only this is the s- third, I suppose, if you count the skeleton reindeer from Nightmare I can't, Before Christmas. I can't
2: count that? I get no. Do we count?
1: animated anim- or do
2: we count stop motion mm, reindeers
0: I'm that Animated yeah. reindeer. Like, missing i
2: mean it doesn't have any ra- any reindeer yeah, it could we- be a real because re- some of the reindeer in this are real but obviously the close-ups are a shitty animatronic puppet in this yeah. right and it's, it's pretty soulless in this one i thought <laughs> yeah. now the santa claus reindeer aren't great either but they're a little Little more charming than this one. They try to give him
1: a little bit more of a friendly face. Well, this one's supposed to be like an ass-chomper. Like, he's coming after Arnold there. I can't call him Howie. What a name for this character. Howard. Howard. (laughs) I think this is part of, again, like, this is part of a long run of movies that attempted to declaw Arnold Schwarzenegger.
2: Yeah. Right? yeah that
1: attempted to uh, reform his masculine image,
2: yeah. you get this this kindergarten cop. he's he's sensitive and caring and yet overtly aggressive and masculine. Uh, and in contrast to Phil Cartman's character, uh, mm. who who is very domestic and that's threatening and sexual for yeah. some reason in this yeah. movie, which I agree it is attractive. Well, he's he can
1: bake. He's, like, faking that he's, like, the caring, sensitive guy to seduce lonely housewives. Yeah, that's, that's hot. That's a, yeah, and I mean, like, that is, <laughs> would you say that's hot? That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> it is more, it's a more sleazy than just being directly sleazy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Phil Hartman originally read for Sinbad's role, for the role of Myron, so he was going to be the villain, and it wasn't good. So I guess uh, they gave him this script and they said there's this neighbor Ted, but there's not much to the role. So this is primarily improbbed and boosted up by Phil Hartman. So a lot of the, a lot of the, lines are just phil hartman being phil hartman like uh there's a line where he's has a you can't bench press your way out of this one that's just phil hartman insulting arnold schwarzenegger and arnold did a little improv himself in response and it's uh it falls pretty flat did he
0: punch him i can't remember what he does
2: no he's just awkward he's just like an awkward austrian man
0: (laughs) I know that I'm going to get some (laughs) flack for this, but I don't hate Arnold's acting in this movie. But I guess it's just because you have to accept Arnold Schwarzenegger for who he is and what he is, and then it's okay.
1: I think it 100% tonally works with the movie. Like, I like, I actually like that he's, G- clearly got this very heavy Austrian accent and nobody's going to talk about it or address it at all. It's like, that's wonderful. That's actually a wonderful detail in this movie.
2: I can't picture anyone else. Like, as much as I'd love to see a warm, warmer or funnier, as much as I'd like to see, like, a warmer or friendlier Steve Martin type who is really likable, who else would fill out that Turbo Man suit? Mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger is Turbo Man. He looks like him. That's Turbo true. Man. You always
1: forget about... I. When you take into consideration the end where Howie becomes Turbo Man, it does become a lot harder to envision Anyone else. a lot of these other people
2: in this role. Well, I mean, the suit's doing a lot of work, but I mean, yeah. Phil Hartman had... So this character, did you notice they don't... Do you, do you remember what Ted does for a job, Phil Hartman's character? Because they don't, they don't actually mention anything. He's just around a lot. He doesn't seem... In, in fact... He seems in contrast to like Howard has like a good work ethic where he's a neglectful dad, but he's like a hard worker, contributes to the economy. Phil Hartman's character, sleazy, at home all the time. He's not working. They don't explain why. Phil Hartman had some headcanon for this. He wrote his own backstory for the character of Ted.
1: There's literally no line or nothing where they mention what Ted does.
2: No, you don't know why. He's just around all the time. Well, he has, he had a divorce. He's a single dad. Mm -hmm. He seems to be around all the time. He's just like fixing things. He's putting up the Christmas
1: lights. They're at some sporting event or something at the beginning. And he says like, since my divorce, I've had a lot of time on my hands. Doesn't he say or something? I guess I maybe thought that's where they established what he did for a living, but maybe not.
2: He says, Ted is a guy, this is his, this isn't part of the movie, this is just Phil Hartman's assumption about the character. Ted is a guy who sued his employer for headaches caused by toner fumes and now hangs around the neighborhood and helps all the housewives.
0: That's a great scheme. I like that.
1: <laughs> that that fleshes out the character of Ted for me, personally. Yeah,
0: that makes a lot of sense.
1: It's good. it's good. I love, I love Phil Hartman's process, I guess.
2: He's yeah, he said, uh, this is just uh, another weasel to add to my list of weasels. He He's also obviously like such a like such a incredibly kind person that every obviously everyone speaks so well of him. But the kids in this movie, the two child actors, particularly both tell stories, you know, the scene later on in the car. Where they had to sit in the car. That was like filmed that part was filmed in California. It was really hot and they were like in winter coats sitting in hours in this car with these child actors and Phil Hartman kept them entertained like the whole time. And they have they both speak so highly of him just coming up and telling them like off color jokes. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. There's a point in time where Arnold comes home with the toy or comes home empty handed without the toy. And it looks like maybe a winter late afternoon, like the sun's about to go down. Yeah. But then we cut to the parade, and it's like high noon. So,
2: well, it's also that 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 cold Minnesota sun, because all of the neighborhood scenes are filmed in St. Paul and Minneapolis.
0: And I just want to say that my favorite character in this movie is St. Paul, Minneapolis. <sighs> the it really... Mall of America. Yeah. It really couldn't have been set anywhere else other than the middle of the United States in Saint Paul.
2: So is that why the parade looks so sunny? Because it was shot in hot, a- sunny California. <laughs> yeah. All those actors in their winter coats, sweating and, and-, and Sinbad is sweaty in that scene. Oof. He's wet. He's <laughs> glistening. Yeah. He's glowing. He's having a good time in this movie. Uh, I think so. Oh well, spe- well
0: we've barely spoken about Simba, but he's clearly well, the well, most well, incredible. Speaking, to,
2: speaking about improv, I feel like quite a few of these Simba lines have to be improv. Almost I, all of them, in fact. <laughs> Actually, most of the rants and all of that—that's just Sinbad. They just let him go. Yeah,
1: I bet. Uh, I wanted to mention, or I wanted to ask, uh, in the scene, I feel like I maybe did spot some of Arnold's improv in the scene where Phil Hartman walks up with what is clearly a reindeer. He asks, "What's that? A reindeer?" <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that might be that might be an Arnie original.
2: Just a little of that a little. genius. <laughs> yeah, a little of that shine.
1: A little of that... Well, in Sinbad's rants, some of them are a little... Kind of a little off the wall, but... He was talking about how commercials completely suck out your kid's will and completely suck out your kid's self esteem. And we did just see an earlier scene where the kid was like, "I'll be a loser. Everyone, anyone who doesn't get this toy is a loser." It's like, okay, actually, maybe Simbad's
2: onto something. <laughs> oh yeah, he's a he's a paranoid postal worker. This is a classic trope by this point. He's you you got your Cliff Clavin, you got your your Newman from Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you got you got this is the. This is, like, a very 90s trope of the postal worker who is unstable and is pushed to the brink or pushed past the brink to violence due to their, like, mundane, stressful job. Going postal is where that, like, that term comes from. Mm -hmm. Sinbad literally has a line where he's like,
1: I work for the Postal Service, I am unstable.
0: (laughs) uh yeah he's paranoid and
1: (laughs) and i do think it's pretty intense that we already have from miracle on 34th street such a great example of the post office being a disorganized agent of chaos
2: especially around christmas the post office and christmas are too deeply linked Uh, also it's a my
0: friends are we speaking ill about the saviors of democracy the u.s postal service
1: I also just wanted to say that it is a misconception that postal workers go crazy because of the monotony of their work. Uh, in actuality, uh, the post office uh, underwent some structural changes in the 70s in the United States uh, that made them basically work under a lot of austerity measures. They are not allowed to operate privately and sell things like gun licenses and uh make any sort of like a profit but they're constantly expected to do more with less and they have some of like the lowest job satisfaction of any government workers uh i just wanted to contribute that
0: i oh, would yeah. try to bomb a radio station to get a toy as well if that's the conditions that i had to work under
2: well my myron's also depicted as he's not he's got other issues you notice that his rant about being a postal worker and and the commercialism of christmas devolves into sort of a misogynistic tirade against his ex who he says slept with all the everyone at the post office but him and then he gets so worked up he starts choking a woman standing next to him in the crowd like he is he's a little i think this guy has issues with women (laughs) you think I think like anytime
1: that somebody starts saying something kind of ranty and it's like borderline legitimate, but then like they kind of, but then my ex-wife and it's like, oh, you lost me.
0: I wrote down that Simbad's character, Myron, would be a QAnon guy probably in 2020. Pretty conspiracy-y.
1: I enjoy the idea of a conspiracy-minded postal worker for sure. I felt like that had a certain energy to it.
0: When we get into the store, so Arnold Schwarzenegger realizes he doesn't have the doll and he needs to go get it. And he rushes off to the department store. And Is it a
1: de- I wanted, I I wrote down that it was a department store because I was like, oh, department store, another, yeah. <laughs> another bit of connective tissue. But I think it was maybe just a toy store. So maybe, I don't know. maybe it was a store. It looks very Toys R Us-y yeah. side. Like it,
0: yeah. And we get to see a very early Chris Parnell. And I thought that was kind of cool.
2: Yeah, it's his first film role. Wow, His first. That's amazing. (laughs) And he's incredibly obnoxious. He really... I noticed that all of the retail workers in this movie... Well, not all. Like, they all have sort of weird haircuts and they're all manic. Which makes sense. Like, they are... Like, that's... If you've worked retail, you probably have... Mm -hmm. You you do... You know that life of bad haircuts and mania.
0: It's also just the tone of this movie. Everybody is kind of manic and and intense. They really
2: lose it. He starts. Everyone starts
1: to... Well... Simbad maces Arnold in the face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. he chokes a woman and then maces a woman. Uh that's yeah. Some of those <laughs> You mentioned are... a bomb later, but we're going out of order, but those are two pretty violent moves he's made so far.
0: <laughs>
2: well, yeah, he's he's out of control. Uh the, what do you think of the like the rampage scenes, like the toy rioting scenes? Um, I really like I'm really interested in like incidents of human stampeding, like not to like get too Christmassy. But uh, like stampeding and herd psychology and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, it was pretty, pretty uh, intense. There's like a, a cartoonish f- f- uh, boot print on the face of the the store clerk who opens the door and lets everyone in. It's just sort of a, it's a quite a dark joke considering that very year, like during the Tickle Me Elmo sort of crazes and Black Friday sales, like lots of uh, people were injured, but especially the employees, like... Damn.
0: The film doesn't really try to say that this is a bad thing, just a funny thing that happens.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, like we said, it's a romp. (laughs) But we're basically dealing with, like, really multi-tiered issues, like the the stress of postal workers and, yeah, like, crowd horde mentality and people getting trampled during fad toy sales. These adults
2: are having a blast, like Sinbad and... Arnold are having a blast trying to foil each other you know the the actor who was originally considered for the role of Myron couldn't have really been more opposite of a Sinbad it was Joe Pesci
0: he's got a lot of energy though he, he can't could, he can really blow off steam I guess so yeah not the same way Sinbad does in this film
1: I think he would have had a way more threatening aura yeah
0: which is a l- very threatening because <laughs> Sinbad's already pretty threatening
2: Oh, I find- I don't find Sinbad that thing. threatening in All this. Of- he's clearly unhinged danger- like, he's dangerous and capable of violence, but I do find him very likable.
1: He's very affable, and even though he is doing things like macing people in the face, threatening to bomb people, <laughs> choking a random stranger, I'm never, like, really scared of he represents somebody who's supposed to be scary, but I don't feel afraid of Sinbad But like any time that Joe Pesci is like menacing somebody, yeah, that's yeah, true. he's well, it's like like on the scale of like Simbad to Christopher Walken, Joe Pesci's closer to Christopher Walken. Yeah, yeah.
2: He thought Sinbad thought he blew this audition. He didn't. He didn't think he got the role, and he was really bummed about it. And then he got it, and you can really he was like, I'm really gonna live this one out. <laughs> I'm so good at
1: spotting people, and Joe is maybe not not the best at facial recognition, so it was nice to have someone else here who, who could point out that it was Chris Parnell, even though I was a little jealous that you got it before me. But then I felt like I quickly redeemed myself when we all recognized when Arnold has to find the little the, the short woman in the fur coat who has took the last Turbo Man. Yeah. We all knew we knew her but i got it first that it was uh yearly y- smith
0: yeah lisa which, Simpson. <laughs>
1: which is again um and i know chris parnell like a little bit more for his voice acting so it's weird to have like i'm also especially proud of myself for guessing for recognizing somebody who is just 100% way more known for their voice acting than any physical real life acting yeah. role that she does and i'm trying to think of the thing that i saw yearly smith in most recently or the thing that i've seen her in most prominently that um she actually has like a pretty distinctive face
0: mm-hmm. like she
2: doesn't really look like anybody else and just to note if you don't remember Yeardley Smith in this movie that's because this is from the director's cut that's true we watched the director's cut <laughs> which features a few extra scenes why does
0: this movie have a director's cut
2: because <laughs> uh, I feel like
1: well, I think we know why the Santa singing scene that we saw in the middle was cut out.
2: It was not very good.
0: I loved it.
2: Oh, did you now?
0: I was moved to tears. The
2: little boy who Santa forgot. That's Let's so sad. Let's do our rendition now. <laughs> so when Arnold, Arnold gets a tip from the
1: mall Santa. Yeah. And it turns out that it's just it's a knockoff place.
0: Yeah, they're, they're like they not sp- like that. supposed to, it's supposed to be a tip off, off or... where he's got.
1: Well, I think his very first tip off is that he shows him a a Polaroid photo. He said, "We have a Turbo Man <laughs> toy."
0: Like it's a hostage photo. It's and- a
1: hostage photo, but and he's got the head- newspaper headline, but no packaging. It's just a loose toy, and that was the first thing that tipped me off. Where I'm like, I do not think that this Santa and this right. elf are on the level. So
2: this is a creepy mall Santa that Howard encounters in the mall, who kind of just, hey, hey, come over here. I got something for you. Yeah. Who's playing the mall Santa, Jess? That's uh, Mr. Belushi. That's James Belushi. It's James Belushi. There he is. and he couldn't be. I mean, like I, don't, I just it's excellently <laughs> cast as a disgusting, sleazy, unappealing mall Santa. We got this kind of trope of like the mall Santa being untrustworthy, kind of, kind of suspicious guy.
0: We've seen a couple. Like, bad Santas, Mm -hmm. to quote a movie title. Specifically in Look Who's Talking Now, the mall Santa is a rough Santa in that movie. Though not a counterfeit toy seller. Just kind of, like, mediocre.
1: This Santa has the vibe of the free range open air market Santa that Kevin McAllister goes to visit. Oh, or yeah. like just because he's kinda like off duty, like he's kind of rummaging in his pockets for a candy cane, like, ah kid, I'm supposed to go into my car. And he's got the same sort of demeanor as the on duty uh-huh. <laughs> Santa that we're looking at here.
0: And let us not forget the
1: Miracle on thirty fourth street.
0: Let us not forget the Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Drunk Santa. Too uh-huh. drunk to operate. The Santa who gets relieved parade. of his Santa duties yeah. is such
1: a bad Santa.
2: What do you think of this warehouse? I think this is probably the most realistic Santa's workshop you're gonna see. <laughs> you know? It's uh they're all they're all what it's all different shapes and sizes of Santa's and Santa's elves. <laughs> did you did you All different qualities
1: of Santa's suit. Like, mm. there were some cheap Santa suits and some ones that looked okay.
2: Some of them some of these guys are lifers and some of them are just part-timers, maybe. Did you did you recognize the main Santa's helper who was accompanying uh belushi there
0: i recognize him but i don't know his name
2: uh this is danny woodburn's first mm-hmm. film appearance most people know really? him as mikey from uh i think it's mike My- mickey i'm sorry most people know him as mickey from seinfeld
0: yeah that's right that's where i danny know Danny Woodburn.
2: From. yeah so he he will go on to do quite a bit more we get this this fight scene
0: i was gonna say for a film where Arnold Schwarzenegger is trying to show his lighter side, he certainly terminates, slash erases, slash totally recalls, slash nationally vetoes <laughs> many people in this movie.
1: I don't know if I hated all the Santa's singing more than I hated all the Santa's brawling. Both were horrible scenes. and I'll I can uh, see why they were cut out of, th- or maybe the brawl wasn't cut out of the theatrical cut
2: no the brawl is in the theatrical cut the singing is not i was i was quite taken with that that was something else uh we get so we get this giant santa who steps out because you got to get somebody twice the size of Mm -hmm. arnold uh you have i believe it's paul white yep his name is big show he's a wrestler uh, a WWE performer. Mm-hmm.
1: God, what what's the height on him? Gotta be because I mean, Ar- is Ar- Arnold's Arnold's buff, but he's also pretty tall, right? Or maybe not super tall. He's maybe like six one or something.
2: I so think I this know. guy's Almost... could be a little bit
1: of movie magic. This uh, I have a feeling that this wrestler might be standing on an orange crate. Well, he's
2: in contrast to it's it's there's you have Danny Woodburn in there, but you also have very. Early appearance from Vern Troyer. I don't know if you recognize He's Troyer, from... He's the, the mini other. Santa. He's the That's Santa. right. He is mm. the one who is uh, accidentally punched and sent flying. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to mention like, for a Christmas movie, most of them are good. A lot of Christmas movies are going to feature actors who are, you, you could. Use the term dwarf or person with dwarfism. Little person, person of restricted growth, is another one I've read because not everyone who is little has dwarfism. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So in this scene, Vern Troyer, he has an uncredited role. He's sent f- flying accidentally. It just kind of reminds me. You see a lot of scenes where actors who. Uh, are playing little people of various kinds are they're like they're written into scenes that emphasize a sense of helplessness. Mm-hmm. So he's sent flying and it's represented to be comedic. Later you'll see Danny Woodburn carried out by the police by his arms and legs, but none of the more normatively bodied actors are being, are being carried, carried like in, a in such a way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, and you get I guess you get a lot of opportunities for for these types of scenes in Christmas movies because little people or or people with dwarfism are often cast as either actual elves or people playing elves in a Christmas setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I just thought that was that was interesting that you see some.
0: It's something you would see. It's actually the first Christmas film we've seen in our series where you know, people with dwarfism are portraying elves or portraying, like, um, people portraying elves.
1: It was also very interesting that we had Vern Troyer playing a small Santa, not an elf. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was just, I mean, given he was still given the same comedic strokes as an elf because of his size. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I don't know, just interesting just because we, we you know, we, we had that gigantic wrestler and we had some skinny Santas and we had, so it was just a wild representation of, like, the full scale of Santas, a full myriad of Rus- Russian nesting doll Santas, if you will. <laughs> it's from still, very is, small to very
2: large. It is still... It's still funny. I mean, it's, it's this... You still get the opportunity to see these actors in these roles. Like, obviously, Danny Woodburn is, like fucking funny in this movie yeah. and Vern yeah. Troyer only has like 10 seconds of screen time but in the time that he's flying across the room he really does shine like <laughs> it's like he's making it work it's just like it's, it's i don't know i wrote like down to, mini santa I, so i made a note of him if that's i noticed right, him the mini santa so that was that was his, his one of his first film appearances as well it was interesting i thought
0: i love when arnold schwarzenegger calls back home and he's so upset that phil hartman's eating his wife's cookies <laughs>
1: You can, yeah, like, it, when you're telling me that Phil Hartman improved a lot of his scenes, that gives <laughs> me so much context to all the stuff that Phil Hartman says. I wonder if Arnold was just like, don't eat my wife's cookies. Like, that's why, like, if he came up with that on the top of the top of his head, uh, that's actually brilliant. Yeah. All the more power to Arnold.
0: That's a, probably his best line. <laughs> yeah. Put that cookie down now.
1: Uh, I just want to real quick say that Arnold grabs a toy badge when, uh, during the raid, when the cops are raiding the... What, a bootleg boot, like, toy factory, I guess we would call it? Sure. Santa's workshop. Santa's workshop. <laughs> just straight up Santa's workshop. Undercover cops don't carry badges.
0: Is that so? Yeah,
1: I mean, it's a liability. Like, you know, you're undercover. You're not going to carry a badge.
0: That's true. You get caught.
1: Yeah. Like, what if they searched? you? Yeah. Or, uh, you know, what if you're opening your wallet to, like, pay for drinks or whatever, you don't want your badge to fall out. <laughs> if you're <laughs> undercover, <Yeah>. just saying. <laughs> It'd be difficult to explain away. <laughs> Oh. I love so much that this is also like a theme, too, that like dads kind of miss the point. Like the dad in Gremlins is kind of like this. You know, where he's like, oh, I'm kind of like a shitty dad and a crappy provider and I'm an inventor. So I know I'll bring you this exotic pet home <laughs> to make up for it. Yeah. And in the same way how, like, Arnold is kind of getting the message from his wife, like, and, and his kid, like, you're fucking never here. Yeah. And that's the real problem. But he gets so hyper focused on, well, it's this fucking toy. I got to get this toy to make my son happy, be his hero and save my marriage. And that's his like gung-ho journey when in actuality he could probably just like, he even like gets so close too, because he tells the story to Sinbad where he's like, one year I built him this clubhouse and you know what? It was a little wonky, but it was about, you know, communicating with my kid and we all had dinner together in the, in, in the tree house. Like it's like, and, and it's just like, Oh honey. And it's, Oh, it's like so much when men are talking. It's like, you're so close. You're so close to getting the lesson. Like, you just need to go to your wife and apologize. And you just need to look your kid in the eye and say, you know what, kid? I'm going to be around a lot more. But that's not
0: Arnold's plan. No, he's like, you know what, kid? I'm <laughs> going to put on a superhero outfit <laughs> and impress
1: you. I know what I need, a jetpack.
2: Um, that The scene where he's talking to myron in the diner yeah 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 I he's you you took away that like that you're right that's you're absolutely right there's like he's missing the point but I was just distracted by there's probably one of the best shots in the movie which is when he's staring at myron who's taking a drink from a bottle of whiskey and he hallucinates that it becomes his son. Yep. Who's yeah. And it's just, it's just such a funny, I don't know. I don't know if you'd see that now in a kid's movie. Like I don't know, the nineties are a different time. There are a lot of weird things in
1: this movie. Um, That's what messes Howie up. Like, he's so close to getting the point of, like, okay, well, it's not about some fucking plastic toy. It's really about, like, I should, like, value this time that I spend with my son, and I should, like, keep my fucking promises to him. (laughs) And he gets, he has so much shame and remorse, because he's like, well, he's like, I'm a bad dad because I yelled at my kid. Incorrect. You're a bad dad because you're never fucking around. Like, that's, you should just listen to your wife, buddy. Like, your wife said, you're never... You're never around. And that's what's going on. So, and then Myron tells the story where he's just like, I really wanted a toy too. And I didn't get it. And that's why I turned into a, 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 an alcoholic conspiracy theorist. And that's what, and then, and that's what
2: redirects Howie to
1: be like, oh, mind, It's not about togetherness. I need to get my kid this toy or he's going to turn
2: into Myron. Yeah. It's just Russian nesting dolls of disappointing relationships with Mm -hmm. dads. Yeah. All the way down. I also, I just, this is not, not, good trivia. But the old homestead Kentucky whiskey that they're drinking out of, that's not a real whiskey. No. Sinbad's recounting the story. Myron's recounting the story of wanting a Johnny Seven O M A doll, which was a real action figure. Oh, really? Actually. It was like a GI Joe style.
1: Yeah, like one of those uh, big ass Barbie GI Joes,
2: probably. Do you do you have any childhood trauma associated with not getting a toy? Because that is such a central part of a couple of movies that we, I've seen for uh, Christmas-related movies. We talked about this during the Santa
1: Claus because yeah. that's a central point of the Santa Claus yep. too, where Judge Reinhold's like, "I didn't get my Oscar Mayer weenie whistle." Yep.
0: By the way, Judge Reinhold is basically Phil Hartman in this movie. That's the end. I could have seen
1: Judge. I could have seen Judge Reinhold in the Phil Hartman role in this. Like he could have been Ted in this movie too. I think.
0: Yeah.
1: Eh, maybe not because it's like maybe only I think Judge Reinhold is cute and other women don't. I don't know.
2: He's cute, right? He's not as cute as Phil Hartman. (laughs) When you're right, you're right. No one is (laughs) as cute as Phil Hartman.
1: The radio question to win the Turbo Man doll is named Santa's reindeer, and people are phoning in and getting it wrong.
0: They didn't have the internet back then.
1: In 1996?
0: Well, I mean, some a- people did. They had like AOL dial-up and it was taking them too long. And you can't call in while you're on the dial-up.
1: That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Is that really Martin Mull's hair? Did he grow his hair out for the role?
1: <laughs> no, I feel like that's a... He like... looks good.
2: You like you like Martin Mull with the ponytail? This yeah. Long hair ponytail. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, That's a, it's a fun little scene with Martin Mull as, as a, a radio frightened DJ. radio DJ yeah. who's kind of scamming people with his voucher. Turns out he didn't have the doll in there. After all, they're assaulting this man for no reason. And this is when things really start to escalate. I mean, things have been escalating for a while. There was like, you're right, he maces him earlier. And we didn't really mention, did we, that Sinbad, when he's... In the earlier scene, in the rioting scene, when the customers are piling on top of him, he yells out, Rodney King. I assume that's a Sinbad improv. (laughs) (laughs) It's gotta be. I don't think that would be in... It could could have been
1: in the the script. script.
0: I think that... The more and more that Arnold Schwarzenegger's character is traumatized by like the commercialism and shopping and violence, the more his ethics slip and he is more willing to participate in the madness. That really culminates when he attempts to steal the the Turbo Man from. Uh... <laughs> I just also wanted to comment that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger calls the plural of Turbo Man Turbo Mans. Is it or is it Turbo Men? Either way, I he say wants Turbo to,
2: Mans. I'm gonna go with Arnold. Turbo
0: Mans. Um, I call he's it Turbos deep. Men, and <laughs> he tries to steal it from Phil Hartman's house, and that's like the final straw. Where he's like, "I have come so low and hit the bottom." Not when he was beating up Santa's or harassing a <laughs> or a radio DJ.
2: Yeah, poor Martin Mull.
1: Also, yeah, you said like he was misrepresenting that he had a Turbo Man doll, but I think that maybe Simbad and Arnold are just not weren't listening to the beginning of the radio show. Like that's true, you know, just like to win a Turbo Man doll, like they're sold out. I or maybe he did
2: say like to win one of the sold out Turbo Man dolls. I mean, it would just be useless to you no matter what on Christmas Eve if you were trying to give it to somebody on Christmas Day. Uh, th- yeah. So this is when the the This scene is when. Things escalate to the point where Myron produces a package and claims he has a mail bomb, which yeah. is just yeah. such a great, fun, little, lighthearted joke to put in a kid's Christmas movie. Yep. He mentions I love that
1: it. hundreds of bombs come through the post office every day
2: hundreds. Hundreds. And he just kept one because yep. he thought he might need it. Yeah.
1: Well, he, we learn it's a fake guru that he basically is just pulling random presents and claiming that they're explosive devices and that he has a. And because. We have such a stigma towards the post office. We believe that has to be true. The actual quote is, I work for the post office and you know I'm not stable. Oh, God. Yeah. But then it really was a bomb. Well, the first one wasn't a bomb. First one was a music box. Second one really was a bomb. And then we have probably another great (laughs) bad improv where he was like, that was really a bomb. People are crazy.
2: <laughs> people are sick. He people said, are something sick. like that. Yeah. Yeah. People are sick. He's yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out that the second package that he's trying to use as a fake really yeah. does blow up Officer Hummel, but not to death because it's still funny.
0: They do it like a cartoon, kind of like his hair is all standing on end and his, his face is blackened a, with it's, soot. But it's a
2: wily Coyote yeah. style, like
1: yeah. Acme style explosion where it's like, it's a, he's all right, don't worry. He only has like third degree burns on his hands, kids.
2: I have 10 years on the bomb squad. <laughs> I love that
1: he picked it up and shook it and sni- sniffed it. And it's like, yeah, I mean. Shake the, and sniff. The same, the, all of the same things that you would do to try to determine a Christmas gift. Or coincidentally, what you would learn uh, with a decade on the bomb squad. Yeah, how he breaks and enters. And that does seem like a violation. Like he is starting to like kind of crumble. And Mm. and he like, and I mean, I guess in his head he's thinking like, well, you know what? I, I don't, who cares if I steal from Ted? He's trying to nail my wife. But then he realizes, well, I'm really stealing from that spoiled kid. He should have just took it. I mean, that kid got, like, a reindeer, and, like, it's clear that Phil Hartman is per- is being a good dad performatively to get pussy, so, like, that kid's gonna have a good Christmas no matter what. He can get a Turbo Man doll later. I don't know. <laughs> I, I would have w- took it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love when the kid suggests to Jamie that maybe his parents ought to get divorced, because it was a big improvement for him. He's like, maybe your, parent- your parents look really shitty together. Maybe they should get divorced.
2: That kids charming. Sound I thought advice. he did agree. Have, have you ever
1: have you ever heard it, like kids kind of say that in real life to people where it's just like two Christmases, yeah. Like
0: I told my mom that every day.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and also too, actually, maybe the reason why I hate that little porker is because <laughs> when <laughs> the dad is trying to give Jamie the Turbo Man doll, the the neighbor kid. Is like he's pointing at me. He's pointing at me, and it's like "Mm -hmm, you're a pretty fucking spoiled ass kid. Like, how about the kid who whose parents are clearly gonna get divorced (laughs) because they're fighting all the time? How about you let him have the Turbo Man doll? Also, the Turbo Man doll that is to be gifted to what's the neighbor kid's name?
2: It's not Johnny, is it? It's it is. It's Johnny. It's Johnny. It's Johnny.
1: Billy is the president's son. Johnny. Johnny. Johnny has his Turbo Man doll is wrapped in themed Turbo Man wrapping paper, so this kid knows he's getting a Turbo Man. But when you shake it, it does the
2: voice action exactly.
1: So this kid knows he's getting a Turbo Man doll, but he still wants the special Turbo Man doll that Arnold is trying to give to Jamie. It's a pretty nice, selfish ass little kid. Huge. It's it's about four times the size of. Yeah. The normal one.
0: It's not a very appealing size of doll. That's not a kind of like action. It's a doll. It's not an action figure, it's which would be It's too big to hang out mm-hmm. with
1: Barbie.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, who are you going to pair that with? You almost need a, a Cricket or a My Buddy. That's almost the scale. Or no, th- those were almost like the size of... Yeah, like the size of uh, like four or five-year-olds. Like, like I don't know how old Jamie's supposed to be. But the doll's not nearly like light, like kid kid size, but it's... Scaled down kid size, I guess. He's having a, quite a bit of trouble with that in a back in his backpack. <laughs> so this seems like the kid's really struggling.
0: Remember how we were complaining about how they were offering a loose doll at the beginning? Like a loose Turbo Man? The Bad Santas? Yeah. Well, he ends up with a loose Sa- a Turbo Man. How did this parade give a shitty loose turbo man why did they you no know,
1: it's like a special edition and it's all big that's so it wouldn't fit oh. in the normal size box
0: oh it's a special edition <laughs> yeah that's what they say it was a director's cut much like the version of this movie we saw
1: <laughs> it's got lots of extra superfluous parts like a bunch of santa singing when yeah. we cut back to phil hartman and arnie's wife back at the that's Rita wilson i only
2: know that she's tom hank's Wife, yeah, and that's all I know about Rita Wilson. She's okay in this movie. They don't give her a lot to do. She sort of ends up playing the same, like a you know, like I'm the wife at her, the end of her rope. It's not. Yeah. I almost wanted to say that I
1: kind of couldn't believe that she would maybe be married to Arnold, but then she kind of looks like Shriver, right? A little it's bit. So it's like
2: her mm. character. Not to skip ahead too far, but her character shows absolutely no sexual interest in the character of Howard until she realizes that's him in the Turbo Man suit. And she is horny for Turbo Man. She gives him a look when that's she's like,
1: Howard? That's the first little bit of chemistry that we've uh, seen in this marriage. Yeah, yep.
2: it's It's on.
0: She likes the costume.
2: Yeah, I hope he gets to keep that or the <laughs> marriage is not going to last. Well, also Jamie gives away
1: the special doll in the end mm-hmm. because he's like I've got the real thing. Yeah. And again, like who's going to tell him that he probably doesn't get to keep that suit? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I also want to add or as, as a child. I did not realize how unrealistic the jet Pack situation was like the technology is this town has like jetpack technology and like for their
0: parade that's
2: what they use it for for the parade
1: yeah this is a town i guess in my head i was thinking like no they're going to some big new york parade this is the macy's this is st paul Paul, minnesota
0: and they have jetpacks in their parade it's incredible Jetpack's so powerful that it killed the, or put the first guy in the hospital who he had to wear him. it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we sorry. There's a little...
2: I just want to add about the reindeer. Like you know, he got Arnold gets attacked by the reindeer.
0: Mm-hmm. He
2: punches the reindeer in the face and then he gives it beer. Yeah, then they're drinking together and yeah. everything's fine. That's good. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I feel like that is at least somewhat of a reference to Conan the Barbarian and Arnold Schwarzenegger's character's ongoing feud with camels and other ungulates
2: i'm gonna have to review that
0: he punches a camel in both conans
2: oh that's well actually definitely a reference then.
1: actually you skipped ahead on me because i wanted to mention that when the reindeer takes a charge at arnold uh maybe another piece of arnie improv he goes nice doggy," to a reindeer i love, love that it.
0: bit yeah that's the bit from the trailer as well that part plays really well in the trailer much loved by me
2: i also love like it's so disastrous he like ruins ted's nativity scene and knocks one of the wise men into the <laughs> fireplace and then it and then he not he kicks it out the window and it yeah. hits the carolers who are outside well, and yeah. ted i just love phil hartman finding the wise men and sadly saying balthazar yeah <laughs>
1: okay Number one, those carolers are in some of the most accurate period piece costumes I've ever seen. They, they look like they've wandered over from a TV production of A Christmas Carol. Yeah. Uh, number two, he has a half life-size nativity or half of a life-size nativity scene. So not the full nativity scene. There's only like two wise men, <laughs> one of Jesus's parents, and I'm not sure if there was a baby Jesus. And...
0: But <laughs> Is, it also... Is it divorced?
1: Is it divorced? Uh, the wife got
0: the other wise man yeah
1: that's like in the divorce she got the other half of the life size nativity scene yeah. oh. where it's like it's funny also that the nativity scene is so huge where it's like you could have made it smaller and had everybody there
0: maybe <laughs> but because it's it giant
1: was... and only half of the cast i also feel like maybe there was a rewrite where maybe it was baby jesus that got on, caught on fire and kicked out the window and maybe there was a rewrite and that's why and phil Harmon got the chance to pick up the wise man's head and sadly say oh balthazar i guess that's his favorite wise man i mean mine too
0: have you seen many indoor nativity scenes
2: it's also again it's the size of one you would see outside
1: of a church
0: it's not
2: an indoor one people put little mini nativity (laughs) scenes on their like hallway vestibule sure desktop version but he's got the full life-size
1: Special edition Turbo Man size. This keeps robbers (laughs)
0: away because they'll think that he's having a party every night because of the figures, just like Kevin McAllister does in Home Alone.
1: Uh, Did anyone notice they called this the Wintertainment Parade? Yeah. Sometimes when people talk about there being a war on Christmas, Mm -hmm.
2: maybe they have a point. That's a terrible name
1: for a parade.
0: Yeah. I don't mind. You're okay with it.
2: There was no Santa. Turbo Man was the star of the show. Everyone's cheered for Turbo Man. Where's Santa? There, Santa is like, Jim Belushi Turbo Man, in this movie. Turbo Man. Santa? Who? <laughs> do you? Yeah, like there's there's usually a Santa in a Christmas movie, but really, do you, there's no lesson here. Uh, yeah. Arnold stumbles into the right thing to do entirely by accident, not of his own doing. He's running he away was running from the away police. running away from uh. the
1: cop. That's right. And then he goes into the warehouse and I really like how the cop took one look in that gigantic crowded warehouse and he was like, well, he's not in here.
2: Yeah, Officer Hummel.
1: <laughs> he was tired. <laughs> he was in an explosion and then he, <laughs> Arnold gets a chance to scald him one last time. <laughs> So remember, I said he had third degree burns on his hands. He now has a uh, fourth degree burns he's, on his hands. He's
2: really beat up, which makes it. I'm or just no interested uh, in the second fact.
1: second degree because it goes the other way. Sorry, the scale. Oh right, first degree or first degree burns the worst, or our fifth. I'm not degree a doctor. Burns... <laughs> Booger plays
2: Booster, or everybody yeah, hates you, Booster. Or... That's Curtis Armstrong. He's credited as chain just... smoking Booster.
0: Chain chain smoking <laughs> yeah, he Booster has a really inappropriate
2: uh... line when uh when how Howard meets him, he's like, "Where have you been? I, like he's in the costume. he's in the hot warehouse. He has that inappropriate line that he's been sweating like a dog in a Chinese restaurant. It's just so this movie is so of its time it's yeah. gross. Uh, but he really uh, I he can't who this is Curtis Armstrong voices who 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 are his various voice credits? He's so distinctive. I know him best
1: as voicing the character snot. On American Dad.
2: That's gotta be the yeah, that's I think the the number one That's gotta be that's gotta be what
1: he's best known for. You mentioned that it's worse that boosters wearing
2: A little uh, some little gold panties. He has a like a,
1: a thong on, effectively, a gold lame banana hammock. He's got the, the
2: Rocky horror look. He's got
0: <laughs> he's
2: cosplaying. It is it is more
1: lewd that he's wearing that than if he were just nude, and it I don't know It implies
2: he has visible genitalia. <laughs> because something to the, hide. If normally those furry children's show costume creatures have like, you know, like the big Muppets don't have dicks hanging out. The, they don't need to wear underwear. They just they have nothing down there. They have there. blank bulges. Right. But like, this implies that Booster's got a reason to put put that on. Yeah. he's He needs the support. Uh, I loved the two parade announcers. the 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 weatherman character's name is Gale Force. Ooh. I don't know if you caught that. I did not. That's a great name for a weatherman. Yeah. It is. Did you guys see the cop float in the parade?
0: With the no
2: cops at Pride. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Okay, yep, that was my note too. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. I I wanted to say that in the big finale parade. Jamie gets to use his karate that he earned by jump kicking, uh, Sinbad in the dick.
2: I kind of didn't catch that, but you're right. That's mm-hmm. that is a classic karate move.
0: He even goes hiya. They don't so really, you know. they don't really emphasize. That's how you
1: know it's not a normal nut shot; it's a karate nut yeah. shot. When you go hiya,
0: that means you've trained for that nut shot.
1: Who asks, have you seen the movie Vertigo? Is that it's somebody. somebody who asks that? Yeah. Jimmy Stewart's in Vertigo and he's in a wonderful life. So I don't know. Just wanted it,
2: to say that. There is a scene in Vertigo where it's a, it's about an obsessive person. And there's a scene where someone chases someone up a ladder up to a rooftop. It's, mm-hmm. he's Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like that's, yeah, that's what, oh, that's right. That's what he says to the kid where he's like, what, have you ever seen Vertigo?
2: Like that kid's seen Vertigo? he <laughs> uh, I really like the two announcers. I just want to mention phil morris uh he he's been in like so many star treks
0: he's another one of those guys who's been in many treks
2: (laughs) he's been he was in the original series star trek uh search for spock Uh, he was um a jem hadar soldier and a klingon commander and phil morris is best known for playing Jackie Childs in Seinfeld. He is Kramer's lawyer. It's the parody of O.J.'s right. lawyer, Johnny right. Cochran. Yeah, And he also plays Lieutenant John Kelly in Voyager. <laughs>
1: wow. I love actors who have multiple roles within the Star Trek universes. Or no, within the Star Trek universe, like play multiple roles. Those are my favorite actors.
2: Voices- the... Uh, parade announcer uh Liza Tish. that's the 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 woman who's announcing with gale force that's Amy Peets I'm going to say is, It's pronounced Peets that's Donna Newton from the office Donna like Michael dates the he, they're not sure if she's interested in him because she keeps coming in and flirting with Michael it's like an early she's an early character mm. uh and she plays Lieutenant Rhodes in in a TNG episode as well So both of them are Star Trek They're both Star Trek people. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, everyone's been in Star Trek, so I just... Arnold doesn't have very good
1: control over the jetpack in the last scene. Not at first. And he tries to take a running swipe at Jamie, who's in peril... And I mean, he's not doing so good on that jetpack on his own. He should probably just wait for someone else to rescue the yeah. kid because fe- I feel like he's going to be putting that kid in even more danger.
2: You say he's not doing good on his own, but he has not had no training. And apparently the other guy who have had training is like seriously injured. The man he's replacing
1: effectively died. is in a coma.
2: Yeah. yeah because of an accident like a a malfunction so it sounds like it's just a rickety jetpack
1: i think that it's a jetpack technology is so dangerous that even if you're skilled on it there's still a great likelihood of injuring yourself or or death
2: that's why i never use mine
1: (laughs) everyone cheers as sinbad falls to his death
2: i think that they maybe think it's part of the
1: show hopefully they think everything's part of the show they They think think that that this kid
2: is climbing up this icy ladder in winter and the the cop when the mom is like that's my son he says oh it's all part of the show like everyone's an idiot here okay yeah um i would have been more concerned right off the bat if i were rita wilson when turbo man shouts out jamie and jamie says he knows my name and it's like were you did you enter a contest what the fuck yeah, I'm going I, with my kid to meet Turbo Man. Also, you know Rita has a thing for Turbo Man because, like, yeah. she's into it.
0: Also, how does Jamie not recognize his He's dad's idiot. voice?
2: Even with the, That's s- what I the, the voice synth, here.
1: he sounds so much like Arnold. And his teeth are so Arnold Schwarzenegger looking when he smiles. Like, there's no way you would not recognize this as your husband slash dad. <laughs>
0: It's Jamie, who really is the only person in this film who expresses anything remotely like Christmas spirit.
2: He's the Santa.
0: He's the Santa.
2: You guys have a Santa. You guys pick a Santa every movie, don't you? Yeah, like who's the? Oh no, mm-hmm. the real Santa? No, but fuck, that's a good idea.
0: That's what we're gonna do from now on. Yeah, that's I want the you to segment. be raiding
2: reindeers, and I want you to be. <laughs> I want you to be choosing which which character is We've the been most raiding Santa.
0: Santas. And when there is no Santa, we can be like, who's the Santa? Yeah. yeah.
2: Joe, Joe. She's
1: what? Got, she's got some really good ideas yeah. and she's kind of showing me up a little bit. Yeah, she's we like, should fire her. I only had the, the cheerometer idea and she's got the, she brought up the reindeer. That's right. Ugh. Okay,
2: sorry. What do we, we whisper? <laughs> sorry.
1: Turbo Man is the hero of the Santa parade. Turbo Man's the Santa. Like you said, everyone's just like, who's Santa? Turbo Man, Turbo Man. Yeah, where <laughs> is Santa? He's he's busy
2: working in Santa's workshop.
1: How fucked is it that they don't put the star on the tree until Christmas Eve? Have you ever heard of that? Is that a tradition? No, this is something that <laughs> was made up for this movie. I've never heard of that before in my life.
0: It's Arnold Schwarzenegger's tradition. He's really insistent on it. And it sounds like he's a bit of a dick about it.
1: Got I
2: got a review.
1: <laughs> I love that she's delighted when he reveals that it's that it, that he's Turbo Man, and it's like, and she's so horny for him, and she's so in love with him, and it's like, he endangered their child
0: <laughs> so severely.
2: Yeah, and like, lied a lot. Yeah. Um. You think that I would not do something that you told me to do? That's what he says as they're getting into bed in an earlier scene. <laughs> ha ha uh yeah she's so horny for turtle man as turtle turtle man as as, uh, as myron calls continuously him. Yeah. calls him i like that he doesn't he doesn't even know what he's after they wait they really don't like i mean i know he does get arrested but sinbad does child kidnapping and he mail bomb and
0: it's a
2: lot he's He's this. There's, there's a lot of terrorism in this movie. You know, it is, it is a lot more like Die Hard than Miracle on 34th Street. It's true. Yeah.
0: I wrote down a line that Arnold Schwarzenegger says that I can't remember where he says it, but you just brought it to mind where he refers to someone as a terrorist at a tea party.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that a reference to something?
1: I don't know, but I heard that line too and <laughs> was very confused by it.
0: Yeah. I like it. I'm going to start using it.
1: No, no, there's nothing on page one of Google. Huh? This movie would have been a lot more interesting if we were following, like, Myron's journey more closely.
0: Yeah. You know, I
2: want to see Myron's son get that doll. Absolutely.
0: That's the most sympathetic like, character. The
2: I want to see... I want to see Myron's wife and kid.
1: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I felt well, like ex... they were... She's... Yeah, ex-wife. I feel like they were kind of suspiciously absent from this.
2: So, the scene... At the end where he, where she, where she, uh, Liz, the character of Rita Wilson, Arnold's wife, says, what did you get for me at the very end? That was like an after the credits scene yes. in the original cut, but the director put it into the end of the movie because he was like, everyone didn't like the movie, so they leave right away. And <laughs> so they never see that scene. But what I think should have been, I would have liked to see Myron and his kid maybe like in prison, like at the, you know, like in the the visitor booth sort of giving the kid the toy or the kid having the toy having some kind of you know and maybe the kid being like a real cunt about it (laughs) not grateful at all
1: (laughs) i guess it makes sense that we would find we would see the last scene with arnold finally getting to put the star on the tree uh like that's that's a loose end that i really needed tied up i guess I he got his gold star
2: but he did nothing right and it was all by accident that anything is i've just you know
1: he broke all of his promises and then endangered the life of his child and I also, that fixed his marriage
2: at the end of the parade the cop comes up to him and says and he salutes him and says you know we could use a man like you on the force and before he like Arnold turns around and reveals that it's Howard after all. Does the cop think that Turbo Man is a real superhero? Yes.
0: I would too if I just saw what I saw during that parade, though. But
2: like I said, do You're they really- all think... You're right. That's true. He literally flew. You're right. Actually, I guess Turbo Man is... So is Turbo Man a real superhero? Yes, and
0: this is his origin. And then there would have been a sequel about Turbo Man in the real world.
2: Oh, I also... I forgot to mention this, but this is a stupid bit of... You neither of you are comic book people, so you wouldn't care. But that kid's bedroom, the the bedroom scene early on in the movie when he's talking to the kid and he finds out that he wants the Turbo Man mm. doll, incredible bedroom. Like anyone, that's great. It's got a mural of Captain America. Yeah, in the background. I saw. I noticed that there is a pillow mm. on the kid's bed um, that says Fantastic Four. Chris Columbus will later in two thousand and like five or something direct that. Poorly rated Fantastic Four movie, <laughs> which is actually it's not bad in my opinion. Um. And it also has an Infinity Gauntlet on the pillowcase. I think Whoa. it's the first time the Infinity Gauntlet... It's 1996, probably the first appearance of an Infinity... That's
0: the first appearance of the, yeah. the Infinity Gauntlet in the Marvel Cinematic Tur- Universe. Tur- Turbo Man is... Just, Turbo Man.
2: Is the, the original Marvel Infinity Gauntlet. Like, that's... He's the first Avenger. It's what, mm. Is that what I'm saying? I don't know anything about Marvel background. Somebody might hear that and...
0: Please Throw us. this
2: in the garbage.
0: Please... With that, I think it is about time to pull out the old cheerometer and see where we're at in regards to our Christmas cheer. I feel like we should start with our guest, Jen. How do you feel about where you are in your degree of cheer on a scale of one to ten? Five being n- no cheer, like neutral, less than that is like. You feel bad about yourself. And above five, you're experiencing a degree of cheer.
2: Uh, I'm a naturally cheerful person. Yeah. Who loves Christmas. <laughs> that that well, much is any obvious. Any mention of it. Uh, I This movie, there's no good characters the only like you said jamie's the only one who shows any kind of like christmas spirit or generosity right at the end when he gives away this like really precious toy to this like shitty guy who just kidnapped him Mm -hmm. but this movie has so much nostalgia for me like i can remember holding the like chunky hard plastic vhs case with fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger's stupid face on it as a kid <laughs> around Christmas and being yeah. like gonna watch this 10 times for sure um yeah so I'd say like a, at least a 5 out of 10 maybe a 6 I that might seem yeah it's 6 out, for I'd say a 6 out of 10 because I I think it's um it's got lots of Christmas in it but it's not, it doesn't have a good moral lesson, so I like that. Um, mm-hmm. It's not, it's not pretentious at all. It's no. not, it's like, it should be preachy because it's supposed to be about commercialism, but it's also just selling, it didn't really sell Turbo Man toys. They didn't end up manufacturing a lot of those. Like, this didn't sell a lot of merchandise, so. When we were
1: grasping for a word to describe Brian Levent as a director, I think maybe unpretentious was the word that we were Very
2: unpretentious trying
1: to struggle towards.
2: Yeah, he's just trying to he's just, ha- I think he. he's just happy that anybody is still watching this movie at all but it's like, it's sort of surprising to, to anyone that, it, again, like a huge failure, but like a lot of people watch this over and over or do as kids and do every year anyway and show it to their kids. Yeah, it's a 5 or 6, 5.5 5.5 5. 5. 5 jingle bells out of Ten on the churometer meter for me. Very nice. Like it's not that the but it's five of those stars are just from my childhood nostalgia. Usually half a star for Sinbad and I don't know. I don't know. Oh no, I think it's the Phil Hartman I like Mm. eating those cookies, (laughs) trying to get trying to trying to get in on on my wife. That's the dream. That's my Christmas dream. (laughs) Gonna put the star on my tree.
1: I'm in and around the same spot where you are I would give this f- 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 five out of ten wife cookies
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I f-
0: I'm gonna give it higher seven out of ten pepper sprays to the face <laughs> um I feel strangely elated after seeing this film the pacing is so quick mm. so much is happening it it's funny it's the, it, it's funny in a slapstick kind of way, but it's funny. Sinbad's great. They managed to reduce the harm that Arnold can do to a movie. Mm. It, it's good. It's yeah. good in that sense. Obviously, it's just ridiculous. And I, that's part of its appeal. And uh, maybe it's nostalgia factor for me as well. So I'm saying around a seven. Seven out of ten.
2: I mean, like 10 out of 10 for me as a piece of cinematography (laughs) and classic filmmaking. But for Christmas, it's just, it's sort of, it's sort of, Brutal. We have
1: decided that the rating that you give on the cheerometer, like you should definitely take into consideration whether or not you enjoyed the film and whether or not you consider it to be a good film. Mm-hmm. But... I changed
2: my answer to ten out of ten if you're All gonna right. write it down some if it if you if you're like tallying. If it's on it. the record. No,
1: it's it's a completely loose and fast thing where I never remember what I rated anything and we were supposed to be like rating our average cheer overall and I usually we usually just guess at that.
0: No, I genuinely I would watch this film. Just before I have to go out shopping for Christmas, it would get me ready for <laughs> like, that. It would it get you ready to up fight. Yeah. like
1: putting like the uh, putting the like uh, football black paint under your eyes. Sure, and, like, the, like, yeah. Oh, oh, like, just in case you need to like uh, body check somebody or trample a store clerk, exactly to, to get your hands on the hot
2: ticket item. I wear my cleats.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, our socials. You can follow us on Twitter at your eye out.
1: We are on Instagram at your podcast your eye out.
0: We're on Facebook at podcast your eye out. And finally, uh, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you do follow us there, you gotta rate us five stars. We're a brand new podcast. We need all the ratings we can get. So that's up to you. Thank you very much. What's the next movie we're doing?
1: Tomorrow, we're going to be looking at Queen Latifah in Last Holiday.
0: Oh, boy. That's a good one. Yep. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. It's going to be really fun and different from what we've been watching lately, because we've done a lot of action movies.
1: The whole plot of Last Holiday.
0: Don't so well, get into it.
1: Spoil, well, I mean, just, I just want to say that, I, you know, you've got high hopes that you think maybe it's going to be a real cheerful one, but it is Last holiday and it is a movie about somebody completing their bucket list
0: oh <laughs> but it's queen latifah that's all but that it's matters. gonna be queen
1: latifah so that's she's gonna be delightful yeah and we did call jen our special guest but we're hoping that she might be our regular guest and hoping to take some of the pressure off uh, me being a know-it-all and doing all the research
0: <laughs>
2: i'm the know-it-all now <laughs> thanks
0: all right that's it
1: Until next time, everybody, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, and we'll see you tomorrow.
0: Bye. Bye.